Welcome to Optivate, a podcast for mobile marketers brought to you by Remerge. Take a short break from your screen and listen to what's working in mobile marketing and what's not, straight from the people who are doing it now. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome back to the Aptivate podcast. I'm your host, Maria Lannan. Every year, Aptopia puts out their app download leader report for app store categories and subcategories. This year, they took a closer look at the strategies that most downloaded apps are using to get ahead of their competitors in this report, how app download leaders are winning. The report breaks down these winning strategies into three areas, acquisition, engagement, and retention using real-life case study examples. In our last episode, I spoke with Tara Kirkpatrick, a mobile trends analyst at Aptopia, about how apps got ahead of their competitors with app store search ads and by curating the right ad network mix. Today, we're playing the second part of that conversation, which focuses on engagement and retention. It's one thing to get someone to download an app, but how do you ensure your users stay engaged? Here's what Tara from Aptopia had to share, specifically in the topics of loyalty and rewards programs and what she calls retention core loops. Obviously, user acquisition, very important when we're talking about downloads and acquiring users, getting them into the app. But most importantly, it's, okay, how do we retain these users and also allow them to actually be engaging with the app? Because it's one thing to get somebody to download, but how do you ensure that a user stays engaged? A lot of what we were talking about before, too, was about product enhancements. And this talks a little bit about that as well in the report, just talking about International Hotels Group, where they were able to like gamify certain loyalty aspects within their apps to keep users to continue using it. So I want to dive in a little bit more there on what apps can be doing once you get that user to download to ensure that they remain engaged. And to that point, like download is only one portion of it. How do you ensure that your DAUs remain consistent or they're growing or your session length is growing? Because that's going to show the health of your business as well, too. Yeah. And you can drive them to point of sale, which because app experiences are mostly free, you have to be mindful of disproportionately focusing on the download. And the loyalty and rewards is interesting because we saw it this year, especially as this acquisition and activate and engage right away. And then hope like the message is loyalty, which started to, I feel like, lose its luster when everyone piled in. So I mentioned I focus a lot on retail and around May this year when the media was constantly talking about the economy and outlook, et cetera, there was that constant analysis on consumer spending and fear, uncertainty and doubt. And at that time, many apps across retail and then food and drink, especially, they just started to launch loyalty and rewards programs or really lean into and upgrade the ones that they already had. And we saw in our metadata, the word reward increased 12% year over year in Q2, like more than any other quarter last year, because that was that time of transition. And then you also, if you follow all the layoffs that were starting at that time, there were quite a few that were retailers like Bed Bath & Beyond, Bath & Body Works, who it seemed as though were shifting their priority towards digital because you would see their loyalty and rewards programs. Press releases go out right after the layoff news. And those two in particular, Bath & Body Works, had a huge push of their app and were quite successful, like were grew 
well over a thousand percent in a couple weeks. But I started to just keep tabs. Is this that quick hit? Because the advertisements were showing join for $10 free and you just saw them if you were in store, if you were online, all over the place. So that was the main message was this like transactional reward. And when we saw actual engagement. And like one time use reward too. Yeah. I'm going to use it. And then you know what? I'm not going to go back. That's where loyalty became this ironic word for what was going on because with all of the competition in loyalty rewards and if you do opt for that transactional reward of I'm always gonna give a discount or a freebie you could just be getting people that want free product and then they'll go to your competitor when your competitor launches that next week so you have to be careful with designing that long-term experience for the user and what we actually observed was the companies being successful First up, like being consistent with your campaigns. I am going to focus on IHG, but Taco Bell was the other example in the report. And they just were very consistent coming out with creative campaigns. And I think all the QSR apps do really well with that. But besides that consistency, it's designing rewards that are experiential. And taking a step back and remembering that earning a reward is actually a rewarding experience for humans because we're like, innately geared towards progress and incentivization. Yes. Yeah. And if you can incentivize action and make that experience fun or use like a bit of scarcity so that the experience becomes a little bit more exciting, then that's where you were motivating the acquisition and activation piece and then long-term engagement if they felt that relationship with a brand as a result of the experience that they went through. And you compare that to a transactional reward and transactional, it's like there's no room for a relationship because it's just a transaction. So with IHG, they redesigned their app to upgrade their loyalty and rewards programs. And the experiential rewards that they built into the app were gamification through like a progress tracker of earning the rewards. I think I know I myself struggle with the hotel app that I use, like not knowing, am I close to a free night? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So making that. Even like with airlines too. So I don't know if I have any hotel apps that I'm actually like a loyalty member for. I think probably multiple and I don't keep track of it, but it is one thing, like I'm a Delta loyalist and it's something that I constantly check, okay, how much progress have I made? And I want to keep flying on Delta because I want to get more points and I want to get my sky miles and I want to have a free trip or something like that, or I want to get upgraded. So it's also like playing into that whole psychology behind just seeing that progress that we all have and like wanting to have more and have more like in abundance. Yeah. And I'm even thinking if Delta were to optimize that further, it is making it less like I'm spending money, but more that I'm playing this game. And if you could see, okay, this is where you're at. And if you start drinking coffee at Starbucks, then you could be here. Almost like this game path within the app. Yeah. Or taking a Lyft ride because they've also partnered with Lyft. Exactly. And seeing that just makes it, I'll speak for myself here, but that would be an upgrade because I'm like seeing where my spending is going and getting me towards a greater experience. And so right there, we just talked through why earning rewards is a rewarding experience. So if anyone from Delta is listening, there's some recommendations. (laughs) 
so IHG did that clear progress tracker that users seem to like. And they also, I think the way that they got attention for this is a newer experience is notification and communication to users that your rewards are yours. So tell us what exactly you want. So they gave people input and allowed them to customize their journey with this brand, which I think is, I spoke to how personalization can enhance engagement and retention earlier. It's just like, you're making sure that that value is what the consumer cares about and giving them that say with a brand like is since not everyone's doing it, it increases your chances of having them stay loyal. So the customization was another piece of it as well that they executed on. And just going back to how many examples we just chatted through, (laughs) there's a lot that you can do within the app to keep users engaged and keep them coming back in and engaging with the app, activating users even once they first download. But there's a way to do it right where you're actually going to keep the app installed. And then there's other examples where user just uninstalls because they get their reward. And it's like, "Ah, I'm actually never going to go to this restaurant ever again, because I got my $10 off or whatever it might be. And that's enough for now. We mentioned this in the report in this section, gamification, customization, exclusivity, and then tier-based membership were like the four that we saw across several app leaders And that tier-based membership is interesting. It's like it unlocks that unexpected spending. It's almost like the offline example of people like taking those flight trips, like just to get silver medallion status or whatever at the end of the year. Apps are able to, if they really build it into the experience, like motivate you to, just as we talked through, maybe start drinking Starbucks coffee or spending a little bit more on your next Delta flight so that you can get to some status. So It's been interesting to watch and just like keeping in mind if you're an app marketer listening, looking at what your competitors are doing, then thinking about what uniqueness you can bring to the table. Because I think a lot of what we saw was a lot of rush to get loyalty and rewards out the door. And it appeared the ones that were like pop and drop were they were like check the box programs. It's like, okay, let's do this free giveaway once and then we'll have loyal members. And that's you have to be staying with your customer and community building and just like ever investing in whatever your brand signature is, like bringing that into the experience so that you stand out in your market. Having that consistency. And this kind of transitions into the third piece, which is retention. So all well and good that you acquire these users, you get them using the app, but how do you retain these users? And I think now more than ever, retention is extremely important because it's going to be that much harder to acquire new users, just given where we are in this economic environment. And you want to retain high valued users, users with high LTV, that becomes more important, especially coming out of it. How do you remain top of mind with these users that historically have spent a decent amount with you. And so I want to dive into a little bit of that retention piece. Obviously, with my background working at a retargeting company, I am constantly having conversations with advertisers about retention strategies, even outside of user segments that we can target. But how does the creative speak to these particular users? How do you continue to stay in front of them? So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that portion of the report. I feel like I've already said a couple of times, it's my favorite part of it. I see a lot of creativity going on with how you 
continually have that brand consistency and create that compounding value of an experience. So that is really what the retention strategy is. We call it ushering users into a core loop. So a core loop is essentially, it's like activating and engaging a user in an action to get a reward, but then there's another loop to it where you keep them on that gamified journey and create that compounding value so it's like unique and they wouldn't want to leave that value alone in the app. One app that I feel like did this really well is Sweatcoin. In fact, if you could ever get like an app marketer from Sweatcoin, I would be fascinated to tune in. I think first off, they never ranked for US or world loan leader. I was going to say I had never heard of Sweatcoin until I was reading this report. I'm going to be honest. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. They had an explosive year this year, but they'd also been at the top of the charts back in 2018 and then fell off and had a resurgence this year a bit because of the crypto hype and Web3 hype. I'd have to interview someone to know for sure, but it seems like they started a while back, but we're walking towards that era whenever it was ready. And so I like that pun <laughs> walking towards that. <laughs> it's a pedometer app. So essentially they pay you in brand currency for your steps. And that's a unique experience in itself if you compare it to Fitbit, which was the pedometer app because like of the competition with friends gamification aspect where like you're competing with yourself where you want to get to 10k but you can also connect with community and your friends which specifically I call out because that was during the years that like social networks were also the Facebook Instagram era and so sweatcoin it's a different experience cuz I think you see evidence on the app that there's like all these other people in the world participating, but it's really like your own, what are you earning with your healthy habits? And so they had never been on the US or worldwide download leaders before. All of a sudden they appeared this year, number one worldwide in health and fitness app category. So just like tremendous UA results and if you haven't heard of them, Maria, like, and I had the same sort of thing, I need to look at their ad and tell because I'm like, I don't know how aggressive they are with that. I do know when I downloaded it. I'm surprised too, because I am very into fitness and I have a lot of fitness apps on my phone. I'm wearing my Apple Watch right now. Got to close my rings as we were talking about. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very intrigued now after reading but I know when I got in, I was asked to invite five friends. And I think I did for more brand currency because then you can buy things in their marketplace. And what they started to publicly say they were building towards in around like March, April was they had a big growth spurt in Q1. So then they were like, all right, we are going to mint this sweat token that you earn into a cryptocurrency. So if you've been on that for a long time, that's going to be very high value. New users or people that have downloaded but not really used it, it was like, okay, you should hurry up and start building currency because this is going to go up a level in value at some point in time. So that was a way where not only are you on this loop that you want to keep going on to get more and more currency because you're never pressed to spend it. It's yours to keep in your in the app and consider things in the marketplace. And then if you want to wait until it mints, you could even do that and then have it in the sweat wallet that they did end up launching in other markets, but they held back in the US because of the crypto 
crash. So <laughs> that like core loop and what you're essentially doing on a core loop is like taking your customer through the ideal customer journey. And then if you do it well long enough, it's like you can take them through that product roadmap vision and have that relationship of, okay, this is where we're going and you've been a part of it. And I think any app that angles itself more towards community versus customers does this more naturally. And I don't think it's hard to rebrand customers as community, especially when you get them into like loyalty or like a tier and start to clue them into this, like back to what we just talked about, like exclusive experiences for you or extra brand currency value for you. And that's really where we didn't put it in the loyalty and rewards section, but it is still loyalty and it is retention. Absolutely. And it's just built through product loops, like smart design of the onboarding and communication to customers. I'm even thinking about Spotify and Spotify wrapped and how you do feel like you're part of a community. It's like I ranked in the top 1% of Miley Cyrus listeners. You feel like you're part of something and use Spotify because number one, you're probably subscribed to it, but it's like you have all this curation of different playlists and sharing and all of that. Absolutely. It's so funny you bring them up for two reasons. One, a notification popped up recently that they were like, we have XX thousand days of your music listening. We made this curated playlist, like basically based on my entire Spotify history. I've been premium for, I don't know, probably since 2015. I know. (laughs) A very long time. Yeah. So that's exactly that like compound value that's unique. And then the other thing around Spotify wrapped, I like tweeted, I was like, there's no way they give this experience to the free tier. This is a customer retention tool, isn't it? And it's a big investment to crunch all that data, but it makes people so happy. And I just really had to sit and think about that as someone that analyzes what apps do to keep people engaged. And it's really cool what you can do when you consider people community and also really hone in on like the content that you provide or that value proposition. And I think that, yeah, Sweatcoin did that really well this year. And it'll be interesting to see if they continue to lead and what happens next year for them. Yeah. And I think also just a lot of that too, having all of that customer information that you're also willing to share with a lot of these apps that you might not be realizing. So if we're talking about Spotify, like they know what I listen to, they can probably either curating a playlist for me. They have all this first party data, which now more than ever becomes so much more important with the absence of IDs and ATT and now Fledge that's coming down the pike. Like It will be interesting to see what apps are doing more intently to gather more first-party data on their users. Yeah, that was part of loyalty and rewards. It's like there was a boom, not just because of like economic headwinds, but also ATT was truly felt like at the beginning of 2022. So it was the same time where all of a sudden internally, I can imagine the goals were like, okay, oh my gosh, we need richer first-party data as well as, okay, perfect. We can do this through permission marketing, which just came up in the 90s. And it's like just so interesting to see how it's applied on mobile. And it's like, we can ask for permission to collect like richer data on you. But the key is to then say, this is the value. This is the service I'm providing for you. And I really believe like it has to be consistent or you will face that drop off of not that a consumer is consciously thinking, oh, shoot, wish I didn't give that info to 
Jack in the Box when I wanted that sandwich last week. But I think it's more just the natural course of things is like a brand that has that intention to exchange that permission with integrity almost is just going to hang on to their customers longer. Yeah, there needs to be a value exchange. And I think now more than ever, if I'm going to be giving my information to a company, I want to be getting something back in return. And I want it to be worth my while because I think, especially with the role of ATT, for better or for worse, it's made people a little bit more aware of their data security, data privacy, information about themselves. Whereas when years past, you sign up for an app, you give them all your information. You think about signing up for Facebook and you're giving them where you live and when your birthday is and all this information. And you're like, how do they have all this? It's like, well, you willingly shared all of that with them. But there is some value to it because, okay, now going back to community and now I am part of a community, but there has to be a value exchange. And I think that's so important now more than ever, especially when thinking about advertising in the absence of IDs where that one-to-one communication isn't always happening because the first party data isn't always there. It's going to be more like an audience level. And how do you still speak directly to a consumer? And you do that through having more first party data on your users to be able to have a relevant message to them. For sure. Or you get Optopia and you get a lot of third party data to look at the similar audiences and like signals of what your competitors, direct or indirect, are being successful in. That's one of the primary drivers of putting out this research is like, I don't care what app category you're in. I always think of this article I read that said gaming runs upstream of consumer tech. So essentially like gaming sets this high bar for the mechanisms of mobile that if you are an app in any category, you can look to gaming for inspiration. And as apps have done that successfully, there's different tactics from gaming spread out across all the apps, including the ones that we're featuring in this report. And it just, to me, like always reminds that A travel app can learn from Sweatcoin and Sweatcoin can learn from McDonald's or anybody that has an app and is in both app stores, like they're facing the same challenges and they ultimately want to have a relationship with a consumer so that they stay on somebody's home screen. So there's similar ways of getting there that then you add in whatever is unique to your brand to have that personalization for your company. But I think the pathways are all the same. Yeah, I'm even thinking about the gaming example that you just mentioned, where you think about playable ads, you think only gaming. And what we've seen on our end at Remerge is a lot of fintech apps have started to leverage more playable type ads, and it's actually performing really well. And they're seeing higher engagement and actually retaining more users through this ad placement. So it's very interesting, like you mentioned that, because before you'd be like, well, that's really only to feature a game that a user might not have any experience with, but no, like it actually can help in terms of like making your brand more fun and making a user want to come back and continue using it. Yeah. Don't get distracted by the content. That's where you start to think about what you uniquely have, but pay attention to the mediums and the channels and what exactly that, the why it works from like even a human psychology perspective, because it's consumers like B2C businesses it's tough to really like stay consistently performing because consumers are always changing, but that's one way to always peel it back and try and find the consistency is like observing these trends. Yeah, totally. Tara, this has been an amazing conversation. I feel like we could talk for another hour. (laughs) 
And I'd actually love to talk for another hour, but (laughs) we only have so much time. But you've been a fabulous guest and I'd love to have you back on. This was such a great conversation for our listeners. If you haven't checked out Aptopia's report that they just brought out of mobile trends from 2022, please go check it out. It just came out yesterday, but so I'm sure not a lot of our listeners may have seen it yet, but would be great to check it out. Yeah, you can find it promoted on LinkedIn through Aptopia's page, Twitter, also blog.aptopia.com is where we, I'm an author there and regularly like writing about these data stories and there will be some information related to the report. So yeah, Maria, likewise, it's been so fun. I definitely feel like I already, I'm like excited to come back and continue because we were talking at such a point where it's like, we could go into what the future is, but wait, wait a little bit, see what the future brings. And then I'm sure Optopia will have seen trends to inform that too. So yeah, it's been great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I hope that we can stay in touch. And also like for any of our listeners, I've learned so much from you today. So is there a way that if any of our listeners want any more information, they can connect with you? Absolutely. Tara Kirkpatrick on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. And like I said, for the Aptopia blog, but for sure, I always pretty good about LinkedIn messages. If you have specific questions on anything that came up today, I'd love to hear from anyone in the audience. Awesome. Thanks, Tara. Thanks, Maria. Thanks for taking a break with us and listening to our weekly episode of Activate by Remerge. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. The more people you tell, the further we can spread these awesome mobile marketing insights. See you next week.